Hello strangers, welcome to another episode of Strange Talk Podcast. I'm finally getting the episode done. I hope that I'm out of the funk or whatever it is that I'm in and it's kind of behind me and maybe we'll have time for it later down the road. But um, before I get into the episode, uh, thank you to everybody who actually reached out to me and you know shared some kind words. It was very appreciated. It was, um, it was nice to know that people, you know, it's, it's just good to know that there's kind, good-hearted people out there. So thank you to everybody who reached out to me and sent nice things, particularly Shy, Rocky the Collector, um, Prowler13, she knows who she is. Thank you to everybody. Especially thank you, um, surprisingly, thank you to, um, his name is Kevin. Uh, thank you for emailing me all the way from the UK. That's crazy that um, this, this little show of mine reaches overseas all the way over there that there's people in the uk actually taking the time to listen to good old me but thank you to everybody else who sent me um nice little sayings and things and just kind of keeping my head up and stuff so thank you to everybody just being kind uh, yeah so you know so today's episode is gonna be kind of a different one if you will it's kind of a I just thought it was really interesting because uh, it doesn't necessarily doesn't really have murder. Um, it kind of teeters on a balance of well, obviously what the person did was immoral, but at the same time it is kind of it. Well, no matter what, it's fucked up what the person did, and um, there's no question about it. The their morals are very lacking, um, and you can't really. You can't really explain that and make it okay. But what this person did was fucked up. Um, But there was a bit of a trial of whether they should be charged with anything at all. And so let me get into it. And this episode is called The Suicide Pact. Our case begins in Coventry, England, where a man named Mark Drybo was enjoying life as much as one could. Mark had it all studying towards a career in computer engineering and living with his girlfriend. He was in high spirits. Mark was always known as the outgoing kind of guy. His friends would say that he would always be the one to make them laugh, but, however, soon things would change. After about a year, Mark and his live-in girlfriend both came down with a viral infection. His girlfriend was medically diagnosed, Mark was not. Still, he felt certain that he had something and he thought it was at least chronic fatigue syndrome. Whatever Mark had, he just could not get out of bed. He would just lie in bed throughout most of the days and only getting out to use the restroom or occasionally to eat. Eventually, his girlfriend grew tired and could not take it any longer and decided to leave him. Now, having lost the person he cares about, he himself stopped caring. He no longer attended his classes, dropping out of school altogether. For the next decade, Mark would struggle to find and keep a job. It was obvious that he was struggling with depression, going through dark periods when he refused to take medication or seek therapy, and he would suffer psychotic fits. Luckily, his mother, Elaine, would help him, who was struggling. Mark lived in a small town house, where Elaine would pay all his bills and rent, obviously because Mark wasn't working, nor did he have a social life. This once high-spirited man has nothing left. Deep down, he felt he was a disappointment, but most of all, to himself. In July of 2005, 
Mark, going under the username Spooky, posted a request on a website known as alt.suicide.methods, asking, Does anyone have details of hanging methods, where there isn't access to anything high up to tie a rope to? I've read that people have taken their own lives in jail. Anybody know of inventive methods? The ones you don't get to read in the paper. Soon, a user by the name of Lee Dow commented on Mark's post saying, Please check your email. Mark did, and what he found was guidance. She had wrote, Depending on how tall you are, preferably under six feet tall, you can easily hang yourself from a door using the knob on the other side. Simply tie a rope to it, sing it over to the top of the door, attach the noose or loop to yourself, then step off and hang successfully. A few weeks later, Mark's older sister, Carol, had come down from Leeds to visit the family. At dinner, Carol spoke to Mark about hanging out at the park tomorrow afternoon. They both agreed. Carol even called in the morning to confirm the meet-up was still happening. Mark said yes and can't wait, but by four in that afternoon, Mark never showed. Worried, Carol drove to Mark's home and knocked on the door. There was no answer, so she let herself in as the door was unlocked. When Carol entered, she found a note on the inside door and block letters that read, Please call the police. Do not go upstairs. Go home. Hand this note to the police. Despite what the letter said, Carol went upstairs anyways, but the bedroom door was blocked. After forcing her way in, she found her brother hanging from a white nylon rope attached to a ladder propped by the door. Carol tried to hold Mark up, hoping to save her brother, and immediately called for help. Carol stood there holding her brother until paramedics arrived, but they would pronounce Mark dead. Shortly after, Carol returned to Mark's room and logged on his computer, hoping to find some answers as to why he killed himself. She learned that her brother had spent a significant amount of time researching effective ways to kill himself. She also discovered that he had been chatting with the user, Lee Dow, and that this user was an unhappy nurse who, would, who had entered a suicide pact with Mark, even sending Mark an email the day he took his life. And the email read, Are you alright, Mark? Lee. Suicide chat rooms are not uncommon on the internet. Nowadays, you will find that on these websites are people trying to prevent others from taking their lives, giving advice to anyone in need in hopes of preventing them from making such a permanent decision to temporary problems. These websites begin simply on a, on a Google discussion on why suicide rates increase over the holidays and then grew from there. Over 35,000 individuals who kill themselves in the United States every year are isolated and withdrawn from society, simply accessing a world outside their own heads, as one could on these types of websites, could prevent someone from taking their life. Now, suicide.altmethods, there, there are two different websites pertaining to particularly to suicide. There's suicide.methods, which is um, ASM. It's, uh, I guess, a short acronym for it. And then there's suicide, um, there's alt suicide, there's alt dot suicide dot, <laughs> um, help, I think. And, uh, essentially what they are, that one's also acronym is ASH, obviously. But, uh, the difference between those websites is that ASH is just meant for people that want to commit suicide, but don't actually want to do it. And they're looking simply just for help. Whereas methods 
because that website is made those the people that tend to go on there it's made by people who believe that you have the right to commit suicide it doesn't matter whether you're suffering from a terminal illness or you just simply feel like there's no other alternative option for you to consider and it's just suicide and you want to take your life they strongly advocate that it is your right if you truly want to kill yourselves regardless of what problems you're facing regardless of um, if you were suffering from a terminal illness it doesn't matter if you want to kill yourself you technically have the right to kill yourself so they're, they're, it's like a big ag- like a big community among people who advocate for just having the right to kill yourself whether you know people suffer from your actions and the repercussions that happen if you do kill yourself they just strongly believe um, alt.suicide.methods strongly believe that what they do try to do when I did the research and I saw on the website what they do try to do is um, there's groups and discussions and posts saying that you know it's it's actually like on the very like um, as soon as you log in you'll see a big disclaimer saying that we want you to know that this we you have every right to take your life if you feel that's what what you want to do but if but we do hope that you at least take these other alternatives and see and if they do not work for you and you feel like there's no other way out but to just end your life it is your right and here are some guidance of how to do it that's what they say on their, on their website so it's pretty interesting um, their stance and belief on suicide now, in 2008, in Ottawa, Canada, Nadia Kajudi just started college in hopes for a brighter future. She just moved into her dorm room. This is the first time she's ever been on her own. Soon, however, Nadia began missing home. She was having a hard time making friends, and it was a constant struggle for her to focus in class. She was finding out that being on her own can be tough. Not only that, she was suffering um, from sleep deprivation. She, for some reason, I don't know if it was because she was just simply homesick, maybe she was starting her bouts of depression. Um, she was suffering from um, what she believed was insomnia because it was very hard for her to sleep. So as a way to overcome her fits of depression, she turned to her computer for chats to form some type of connections. Slowly, Nadia's depression grew increasingly worse. Her grades began failing and she stopped attending classes altogether. In April of that same year, Nadia Kajuji, seeing no other way out, decided to jump from a bridge. Her body was found in the Ridu River. After Nadia's death, it was discovered that just like Mark Drybro, she too were chatting with someone on a suicide website. The user by the name of Kami D gave Nadia advice on how to hang herself, giving her detailed instruction, even asking her to capture her final moments on a webcam so that way Cammy D could watch as part of a joint suicide pact. Both Mark and Nadia had been given instructions to commit suicide by two separate people, but this was no coincidence. Soon, some light would be shed on who Lee Dow and Cammy D are, but it would take the tenacity of a retired teacher to help uncover the identities. Back in England, retired teacher Celia Blay is a 65-year-old grandmother who enjoys browsing the internet to pass time. On one particular day, Blay was on a site devoted to medieval research. While looking for charters to prove that some roads in her village should remain open to carriage horses after browsing around a member's profile, she stumbled upon Ash, which is known as alt.suicide.holiday, which is a website with information on suicide and guidance on seeking and exploring all options and not just death. Celia was unaware of what she stumbled upon at first, but after she realized what this website was for, 
she decided that she'd make a profile in hopes of trying to prevent anyone from taking their life. She quickly made friends. One such friend was a 17-year-old girl from Central America who had been sexually abused and was considering suicide. Celia had conversed with her for a few weeks and thought the 17-year-old girl was improving. During one chat session, the teen girl had told Celia that she had entered a suicide pact with the nurse she had met online. The nurse she met gave her the same information that Mark and Nadia had been given, even asking the teen to show the suicide on webcam so they could see each other die. Luckily, Celia convinced the teen to not go through with the pact, but as chat logs show, soon she and others on Ash began to wonder about this nurse the girl had befriended. Her name, they discovered, was Lee Dao, and she seemed to go to great lengths to maintain a low profile on these sites, only rarely commenting in the main forum, where all the members could read her posts. And when she did comment publicly, she would emphasize her background as a 20-something nurse from Minnesota. She seemed to be drawn to posters who spoke English as a second language, or who seemed particularly naive, and she was fond of endearments like Hun and the sign-off, Hugs. Lee Dao was unfailing sympathetic and unusually well-informed, but maintained a conservative worldview that bordered on the self-righteous. She reprimanded one member for suggesting that the suicidal should try cocaine as an alternative to death, and on a site where members often express hostility towards religion, she was unapologetic about insisting that the hope of eternal life is promised to those who believe. She seemed most comfortable, however, dispensing advice, and she was an ardent proponent of hanging. That was her main method that she would always recommend for, su- for like people considering suicide to do. Unlike other methods, hanging offered, in her words, very fast and certain death. On the sites, she usually lurked in the background, initiating a private correspondence if a post in the forum caught her attention. The more desperate the post and resolute the poster's intention to catch the bus, that's basically an expression that you would see on those type of websites. Catch the bus is their phrase of saying to just basically kill yourself. You're catching the bus to heaven or hell or wherever it is that you believe you'll go when you commit suicide. So that's what it is, which is also abbreviated as CTB. The more likely Lee would respond. A user named Half Jacket pleaded. Okay, this is what he said in a post. Please, someone help me die. Some way that is quick and or painless directly. I'll do anything. Please, I just need help. Just like all the other, Lee Dow replied with, check your email. And in July, another user wrote, think I'm going to be left with no option but to hang myself. I'm a big guy, 420 pounds, so making sure that the rope don't break is vital to me. So I have been looking at climbing rope. Can anyone shed any technical info on this to make sure that I get this stuff right? Check your email, came the reply. Within two hours of posting suicidal thoughts on Ash, Nikola Trifnovic, a 22-year-old researcher in Zagreb, was directed to this email. Lee told him that she understood how he felt and wanted to help him feel better. She said she lived with her parents and had struggled with bipolar disorder and depression for 11 years. Nothing worked. Not therapy, drugs, or prayer. Lee wrote, I'm really tired of living a false life of pretending everything is okay. When it is not, and I can't do it anymore. After exchanging emails for six months, Trypnovic says he began to care deeply for her. 
He recalled via email, she made me feel I was not alone and that there were many others who feel the same way. Lee said she planned to catch the bus by hanging from a beam in her basement. Once she found the time to be alone, she said she'd practice hanging herself. Lee coached, Lee coached Trinovic to hang himself, and the two made weekly suicide packs, but he couldn't quite bring himself to end it. Strangulation wasn't the pain-free method he'd hoped it would be. I kept doing it wrong and it hurt like hell, Trinovic reported to the Ash Forum, but he feared more than the pain. I was scared that after there is nothing, he said, infinite nothingness. When he shared this fear with Lee, she tried to get Trinovic to believe in God. It was an odd position for a Christian as Lee seemed to be, since religion discourages suicide. Then in September, Lee suddenly disappeared. Lee, where are you? Get in touch if you're still living this thing, one member posted on Ash. Oh fuck, that must explain why I haven't heard from her either, responded another. Trifnovic assured the forum that Lee had to be alive because he corresponded with her only two days earlier. Besides, Chernovic added, we kind of promised to each other to do it the same day. She seemed ready to die. She is just waiting for me to be ready. She told you that too, another poster responded, oi. The next day, however, Trivnovic received an email from a woman claiming to be Li's mother, named Zhao Ping Zhang, from Li's email account. She reported that her daughter was found hung in a basement at approximately 6.40 this morning. Of course, we be so sad but am grateful to God that her pain is now over. When he learned of Li's death, Trinovic became determined to try to end his life. Then, to his surprise, two months later, a miracle occurred. Lee was resurrected. Someone on Ash reported that he heard from her. It was then that the forum began to realize that Lee was not what she seemed. It's not Lee. Not Lee we know. She doesn't exist. It's some perp fucking with us, Trinovic posted. Ma Kish agreed, revealing that he IM'd her. I'm sorry, he IM'd with Lee and that she kept tracking, trying to persuade him to hang himself. Ma Kish tried to talk to Lee on the phone but she would come up with excuses about why she couldn't. He told the forum, I believe Lee Dow got some kind of high or rush from trying to convince people to die. By now, Celia Blay had reached the same conclusion, that Lee had encouraged more than a dozen individuals on Ash to commit suicide. She noticed that members often disappeared from the site after exchanges with the nurse. Then she received a tip that Lee was using a new handle, Falcon Girl. She immediately searched online and found traces of Lee's familiar M.O. when Retard Stoner announced on Ash. That's the username. <laughs> I need to die tonight, period. Falcon Girl responded with, check your email box. Celia had seen enough. She, told the ev she took the evidence gathered to the police in nearby M Maidenhead. Look, she told them, this person is trying to get people to kill themselves. But the man in charge of investigating online crimes wasn't impressed. His attitude was that this was somebody who was trying to wind up middle-aged women and shock them, Celia recalled. As Celia left the station, she says an officer gave her a piece of advice. This is what the officer said to her. If it bothers you, look the other way. But Celia wouldn't look away. She tried to alert the FBI via email about the online nurse that received no reply. She began posting warnings about Lee Dow on Ash's general forum and sending emails to anyone she thought might fall victim to the nurse's charms. 
The Ash community rallied behind her, and Blay became the point person for the growing list of complaints about Lee. Celia got help in the form of Cat Lowe, a luckless 35-year-old in Wolverhampton, England, who frequented Ash and emailed Celia to offer her assistance. Lowe got straight to the point. She said, I know you are aware that Lee Dow grooms youngsters to let her watch them hang on webcam. A friend of Lowe's had nearly committed suicide after entering a pact with Lee, separately. Lee had contacted Lowe on ASM, which is alt.suicide.methods, promoting the benefits of hanging. In fact, it seemed that every time Lowe logged on to her ASM chat list, Falcon Girl would turn up to instant message her. Lowe offered to go undercover to gather information on the nurse. Lowe emitted the kind of despair that Lee couldn't resist. She shared custody of her two children and saw her kids only on school holidays. She had long been depressed, and though heroin offered solace in the short term, she began to considering checking out for good or catching the bus. As she sat in a pub in Wolverhampton this spring enjoying a rare full meal, Lowe resembled an overgrown teen wearing a hooded green sweatshirt and black sneakers with thick platforms. She had dyed reddish pigtails and two silver nose rings. On her neck hung a gold crucifix that she says Blay gave her when they met in person the first time. As long as she wore the crucifix, Lowe promised Celia she wouldn't put a rope around her neck. In her new role as amateur detective, Lowe turned the tables, taking the initiative and sending an email to Falcon Girl. She told Falcon Girl that she'd lost her job and was looking for a good place to swing, but that she needed advice. Someone named Cammy D was ready to provide it. Cammy D, using the Falcon Girl account, told Lowe she had good results placing the knot behind her left ear, with the rope under her chin and across the cotaroid. Um, carotid. Carotid? I guess that's how you pronounce that. I think you said you have a webcam. That would help a lot too, Cammy added. Ever attentive, Cammy emailed back a few days later offering help. Lowe told her that she was hearing voices and trying to find a mental health worker to help her. If they don't offer me the help I need, she wrote, I, can, I can't see any other option than to end it. Cammy D responded, I care and always will. I wish we could chat. She signed off with hugs, the same signature Lee Dow had used with Mark. That's when Lowe began documenting their chats. Cammy had told Lowe Low earlier that she'd help people hang themselves. So Lowe asked, the four people who you think hang themselves, did they do it while you were online? Are you worried about any comeback from that? Cammy D responded with, no, just one he asked me to watch as he was all alone. I didn't want to, thinking it was some perverted ploy of his. But after many hours of talking, I agreed and watched him die so he would not die alone. No, not worried, as I'll be dead soon. Lowe responded with, personal question, did he get a stiffy when he died? Cammy responded with, probably, but he had pants on, and I really didn't notice. He hung from a door. Lowe asked, was he young? At first, Cammy seemed to miss the question, telling Lowe that she had the next day off and that she hoped to be dead before having to return to work. As an afterthought, she added, he was 32, the same age that Mark was when he committed suicide. Lowe told Cammy that she was also ready to hang, but that she needed to buy a rope. She was pressing Cammy to get an audio cam so that the two could hear and see each other just before death. When Lowe saw Cammy move in front of her webcam, Lowe told Cammy that she was also ready to. Oh, I'm sorry. I already read that. <laughs> um, 
I'll just read it again. Lo told Cami that she was also ready to hang, but that she needed to buy a rope. She was pressing Cami to get an audio cam so that the two could hear and see each other just before death. When Lo saw Cami move in front of her webcam, you're a bloke, Lo wrote, and hardly 20-something. Lee Dow, aka Falcon Girl, also known as Cami D, was a middle-aged white man named William Melchert Dinkle. William Melchert Dinkle lives in a crisp white shingled house with contrasting black shutters and a perfectly manicured lawn in Faribault, population about 22,000. He is a 48 years old, married to a nurse, and was has two teenage daughters. In his online conversation with Cat Lowe, after she discovered he was Cammy and Falcon Girl and Lee Dow, William Melchert Dinkle sent a family photo of himself and his wife sitting on a piano bench, flanked by their two daughters in the background, a ray of sunlight glints from a landscape painting. Lee Dow, along with her alter egos, positioned herself as an expert on nursing. An ER nurse whose experience with the range of calamities had persuaded her of the benefits of hanging. Melcher Dinkle, Dinkle was indeed a nurse, a resident nurse whose career was distinguished only by his, his incompetence, at best, and possibly something much more sinister. In 1994, according to the Nursing Board of Minnesota, he administered the wrong medication to a resident while working at a nursing home in Minneapolis. In another instance, he failed to document the deteriorating condition of a resident who later died en route to the hospital. The next year, he moved to the ortho-neuro unit at St. Paul Hospital, but he showed no improvement. According to his supervisor, he continually demonstrated difficulty retaining information. When reprimanded, he said, I have problems at home too. It just spills over into everything. He was later diagnosed with a learning disability and attention deficit disorder among other problems, and put on medication. He resigned soon after, reportedly saying that he got in over his head. But Melcher Dinkle kept nursing, and with grim results. At a nursing home where he worked in Faribault, he was fired for the alleged abuse of two residents. Only then did the Minnesota Board of Nursing limit his license, but he was still allowed to practice, only with supervision. Melcher Dinkle didn't perform much better for his next employer in Faribault. One of his co-workers said that he was often rude to residents, hollering at them if they wanted to go to the bathroom. At one point, the co-worker who didn't want her name published asked Melcher Dinkle to wrap the foot of a resident whose toes had been amputated. He got done wrapping the foot and came out and she said, she, and he said, she's ready to go. After entering the room, the co-worker scratched her head and asked an aide to take a look. The aide looked and said, Oh my god, he's wrapped the good foot. In July of 2008, Melcher Dinko resigned and moved to a third nursing home in Faribault. A few months later, Sergeant Hader and a colleague caught up with him at his home. After introductions, the police told the nurse that they wanted to talk to him about internet-related issues. According to the officers, Melcher Dinkle responded with, I think I know what you mean. When asked to elaborate, he said that he and his wife worked in healthcare and he had discussions with people online that had gotten inappropriate. Police say Melcher Dinkle then told them that his wife wasn't involved in the discussions but that using the online monikers Lee Dow, Falcon Girl, and Cammie D, he had advised people online about suicide methods. He admitted that he would instruct them on how to hang themselves by placing the knot behind the left ear, 
because that would be the most effective position for compression of the left and right carotid, car- um, carotid artery, which would cause unconsciousness in 10 to 15 seconds, brain death, and total death in 10 to 20 minutes. According to the coroner's report, Mark Drybo's neck had a deep ligature groove that rose toward the left and back of his neck. Melchert Dinkle admitted that he claimed online to have watched via webcam as someone in England hanged himself. Despite his repeated requests to watch victims by webcam, however, he insisted that he'd never done so. According to the police, they have no evidence that Melchert Dinkle watched his victims. The investigating officers say Melchert Dinkle estimated that he made about a dozen suicide packs with people around the world and encouraged dozens more to commit suicide. Though he knew of no more than five who'd actually gone through with it, at one point he characterized his motivation as the thrill of the chase. But he also said that he told his victims that it was okay to let go, that they would be in better heaven, that they would be better in heaven. He said he felt terrible about what he'd done and that his daughters had told him that his discussions weren't right. At Christmas, as the police were narrowing in on him, he said that he'd stopped advising people about suicide. Finally, in April of 2010, three years after Blay had first alerted the police in England, Melchert Dinkle was charged with advising and encouraging the suicides of Mark Drybo and Nadia Kajuji, which carries a maximum term of 15 years or a $30,000 fine. It's a novel use of a law that has been on the books in Minnesota since 1963, long before the internet even existed. It appears to be the first time in the United States that criminal charges have been brought against an individual for assisting suicide over the internet. The morality of his actions aside can be held legally culpable. Had Mark or Nadia never had the misfortune to meet him online, would they have been killed? Would they have killed themselves anyway? Would they have followed through on their self-destruction if he hadn't vowed to do the same? Would they be alive if the compassionate and knowledgeable nurse they knew as Lee Dow were revealed to them to be a middle-aged Minnesota man? The friends and families of Mark and Nadia and others have nothing but time to wonder what might have gone differently. To question what might have happened if their son or daughter or friend had never met Lee Dow or Cammy D or Falcon Girl. If they'd never come in contact with William Melchert Dinkle. When Elaine Drybo cleaned out her son's room after his death, she found a blank notebook with a single page of poetry that scrawled, that he scrawled, saying, Face facts, I'd rather live than die. So what's, what's it worth? Why is it worth? There is nothing but this very life here and now. Mark was torn. He wrote, Please give my life meaning and love each and everything else too and circled the passage three times. In the end, though, his cynicism won out. At the bottom of the page, in big capital letters, he wrote, Bullshit. Complete fucking crap. And then, he hanged himself. So that was The Suicide Pact. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Sorry for not having the usual edited format that you guys are accustomed to, what with the intro and everything, but my computer 
is uh, running really slow. I don't think it's a virus. I think it's just because, well, what happened was I had bought <laughs> RAM, and I think I've told this story before, but I had bought RAM uh, to upgrade my PC so it could run a lot smoother and faster. And because um, right now I currently have eight gigabytes of RAM, and I had bought an extra RAM stick to come out to uh, sixteen gigabytes of RAM. And unfortunately, uh, it was the wrong size. I got DDR4 instead of getting DDR3 because my motherboard only accepts DDR3 RAM sticks. And um, I tried inserting it into the um, what is it, the PCIe or the PCE slot, and uh, I guess it might have uh, messed up the actual sensors, the little sensors that detect the RAM inside of the um, PC. Um, Because now it only shows that I have four gigabytes of RAM. Um, So, and two gigabytes of RAM already go to the OS, the operating system. So, unfortunately, because of that, uh, my computer runs very, very slow and it's not a virus, I assure you. Um, But, um, so I wasn't able to um, edit the episode the usual way that I have it. So, there's no intro as you can tell from listening to this episode. But all that aside, uh, thank you again for everybody who shared kind words to me uh, from last week's episode. Uh, I was going through a little rough thing. I'm still kind of going through it, but I'm doing okay. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get better because that's just the only thing you can do is just move on and go forward and just keep going. Just just keep living. Life's a garden. Dig it if you if you know that reference anyways um so stay tuned for next week's episode uh it's gonna be another this week in crime actually gonna get that one out get that done uh so to anybody and everybody thank you for listening to strange talk podcast because without you the listener strange talk podcast would not be what it is today um so if you guys have a topic you guys want me to cover or if you have a news article you want to send my way you can do so by visiting my instagram at strange talk podcast if you already if you haven't followed me so you can keep up to date with episodes that i'm working on or if you have a news article you can send me to my instagram at strange talk podcast or if you want to keep it old school send it to me via email at strange talk podcast at outlook.com what's that email again it's strange talk podcast at outlook.com so again thank you for listening to today's episode And as always, stay strange.